Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews is unknown. We have speculation. But what matters is the words on the paper here. Chapter 11, verse 23 through 27. This is the faith book. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. That is like a rule or law passed to go kill all the baby boys under two. They weren't afraid of that. Verse 24, by faith Moses. You see a pattern here? By faith Moses. By faith Moses. Look to your neighbor and say, by faith Moses. When he had grown up, y'all remembering this because we did a Moses series not too long ago. Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Remember I said look three steps ahead in every decision you make. He was looking ahead to know his reward was bigger than the current thing the enemy presented him. By faith in Egypt, by, excuse me, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's God. And by faith, verse 27, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Remember, Moses saved his brethren from an Egyptian and then he fled to Midian. Remember this. That's what it's talking about here. And even as, remember, reserved by reservation? Uh, yeah, what was it? Uh, by reservation, I'm forgetting my own sermon title here. They, they put him in the water because, because even the parents knew. And, and way before you were born, your parents had an influence on the direction you would go, just like God has a direction on humanity before humanity goes. My title today is Purpose Through Priority purpose through priority. As you take your seats, I want you to find somebody, shake their hands, high five them, and tell them, what's your priority today? Come on, find somebody, tell them, what's your priority for today? What's your priority for today, Josh? <laughs> I already know the answer. <laughs> what's your priority today? What's your priority? Thank you, worship team. Give it up for the worship team. Y'all to, to see the hot mess in the back right now. It looks like a volcano went off. They're trenching all the plumbing back there, and there's just busted up concrete everywhere. There's like CSI tape, like homicide tape. I just jump over it. I'm not supposed to do that, but I'll just do it anyway. Um, so we appreciate y'all staying clear back there because you could, like, break an ankle. There's holes in the ground. But it's coming along, baby. They're putting a, sub, they're putting a floor into our stage. Like, you know, the part you stand on on top? It's good. There's a, there's a stage as big as this wall behind the wall, and it's this high, and it is so good. And, and as you, as, if it's your first time here, like, you should have seen this place a year ago. Who remembers a year ago? Who remembers the gymnasium days? Who remembers the movie theater days? Who remembers the Liberty High School days? Who remembers the PJ's basement days? Oh, I blacked that out but there was good bagels all the time making me fat. We got on this Breadco kick when we were in the corona shutdown in my basement. We were getting Breadco every week, and I was eating like six of those things a day. I'm like, I got to stop this. 
They're just like Tic Tacs to me. I could take down a bagel like a Tic Tac. <laughs> me and you, Yvonne, the Asiago with coffee, the best. Throw in a little cinnamon ones, balanced meal. But we're coming into the Easter season, and I believe that we can pull some more chairs for Easter this year. What do you think? And this is nice and all, but we have double this in the back. And those aren't even our finished chairs. These are just our, our temp chairs. I think it would be really amazing if y'all really reached together this Easter and brought somebody. Because I don't preach about numbers, but I just think it'd be really cool to pack this place out on Easter Sunday. Can we do it? Just think if each of you brought one person, what would this church look like overnight? And you may think it sounds superficial, but you, when you create momentum with people, they start listening to God's word. It's a perception thing. So when we show them, hey, we're growing, we're going somewhere, there's a perception with that. And trust me, when they see the line out the door in a couple years from now, and we have to lock that thing and let them in like security, they're going to say, what is going on at one seat? i got to have a piece. Y'all think I'm crazy. I am. But for Jesus... This is, this is something special happening here, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And it's, it's I step back some days, and I look, at the, I look at it as if I didn't know anything about it, and I say, that is so unique. And that's exactly where we want it to stay, unique. Because if we just look the same as everything else we see, everybody's wearing white T-shirts. How do you know what white T-shirt to pick? But I want to preach a little harder here, and I want to I be... Is, is transparent as I can here to really get people's attention. And, and God's church is, is all over the world, but the vision of one seed is to shake up dry bones, to find purpose. Because if you don't find your purpose, that's how God uses you in the growth of his kingdom, is through your purpose for his will. Hey, Cody and Kyle. Man, it trips me up every time I see Kyle. They're twins. Like, Cody got a haircut. I want to tell you about a friend of mine today that I used to, so I used to live in Nashville, and I waited tables. Typical musician. I waited tables and uh, had no money. Yep, qualified. And uh, I lived in this room in this house that the floor was crooked, and I had a bathroom, a bed, in my sound booth for recording in a computer. That's it. I didn't watch TV because I didn't really have room to put one. And honestly, I just got out of the habit. And it was kind of nice because I was there pursuing something. I, I didn't have time to watch TV, Cody. I had no spare time. I knew time was money with my life back then. And if I spent any time just being leisure, I was losing time here for my future. So I was either going to go there and go all in or, or, or go home. And, and I had this friend, Makunda. We used to joke, we used to joke um, Akunda Matata, but it was Akuna Matata. He was Indian, and he would say, he would say I'm a dot, not feather. <laughs> he, he's from San Francisco. He worked at the Gap, and uh, he's quite the cook and coffee connoisseur. And um, when I met him, he was like, hello, my name is Makunda, just like the most precise businessman. I'm like, hey, man. I was like 20. And uh, he's like, do you like coffee? I'm like, well, no. Who likes coffee when they're 20? Well, he got me to like coffee. And so we would have what's called coffee time. 
at his house. He lived in this, what I thought was just like the man's apartment down on Music Row in Nashville. And, and um, I would go by there like before I went on to my shift at, at waiting tables. And I'd go there after my shift and get coffee. And Jen, I don't know why I developed kidney stones, but I was just drinking black coffee all day, waiting in a sports bar, sweating my tail off. And that was my liquids. Hydration causes kidney stones, just so you know. So I was dehydrated drinking this black coffee. And he'd make this stuff called banana toast. And it was like these, these, um, these, these, these what do you call the rolls with the sub sandwiches? The, they're shaped like this. Anybody? Hoagie, yeah. Somebody knows what a hoagie is, thank God. So he'd take a hoagie and he'd put cinnamon and sugar and banana and he'd bake it in the oven. And he's like, hey, Jeff, here's your coffee and banana bread for the day. I'm like, man, this is like having a mom here. This is awesome. He was like my mom in Nashville. And, and um, I want to show you a picture. Caleb, show him picture one. That's me when I was 23 years old in his apartment during coffee time because I would sit there. He had better equipment than me. He was actually a musician who worked for Cisco in California, retired from there, quit, came and started a music production company in Nashville. Really smart move, not. But that's what he did because he had a heart for music. And uh, I, was a, I was an artist under his production company. And so he played the bass. He would do like Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute bands. Remember Earth, Wind, and Fire? Do you remember the 21st day of September? Remember that? Okay. So he was like playing the bass, you know, with like a full outfit. And then he was just like Cisco guy by day. It was really funny. So he moved to Nashville, and we'd have coffee time. And he had this really cool amp and guitar. He had this tele, Fender Telecaster. And I would sit there, and he would turn something on his boombox, and I would practice playing guitar right to whatever, whatever the part was on the track. Back before they had stems, Cody, I would play, I would match the lead parts on the track. And it was really cool. It, we'd turn it up so loud. It was in an apartment building. They would never know if it was really someone in the apartment playing or the track. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good. They don't know the difference. And so we'd have coffee time. And show them the other one, Caleb. That was the corner of the apartment I used to sit in all the time and play his stuff. And is, is um, hospitable as, as Makunda was and, and, and generous with his time and, and his money, and he, he would pay for my food when we go out to eat. He just took care of me like, like a son. Um, what I remember the most about him is how organized he was. He was organized because he was running a business. And I remember one day he was just getting hammered with so much stuff to do. And I'll never forget him saying this. He said, he said, you just take one item off the list at a time, one at a time. You make one list, one at a time. You keep it simple, you keep it moving. Because what he was saying was, if I get caught up in everything, I'll lose, lose focus. And so I remember him saying that. And at the time, I just had a piece of paper in my apartment and maybe a computer. Uh, I don't think I even was using smartphone calendars at that time. And that's how I kept track of things. But I knew that my method eventually was not going to work when I got to a level of pressure that needed more than that. Vince, we talked about this. This is, this is where this comes from. This was a seed that was planted in me, that, that purpose is found through priorities and how to manage them. And if we don't know how to manage anything, we, we'll be feeling like we're, we're lost all the time. And so I just share that because, one, it's funny. And, two, um, I was wearing, like, a dress shirt with a ball cap. Like, someone need to help me out with some style, right? That's back when boy bands were a thing, so I'd wear the khaki cargos, cargo khakis, the nice shirt, and the ball cap. And you had to have the, you had to have the, the cargo pants from the Gap or Abercrombie, and you were like the man if you wanted to look like a boy band. I was in Nashville. I was trying to be cool. But, man, that stuff was expensive, so I, I didn't wear it long. But 
I wore the same shirt for like five years. Didn't smell so good when I got home to, to mommy at Christmas time, and she had to wash that thing. She found out I was, I was using um, fabric softener, the little bear, for four years and not detergent. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like, Mom, these don't smell right. She's like, well, what are you washing with? I'm like, the bearer. That's fabric softener. You haven't washed these in four years. No wonder there's holes everywhere. So I learned a valuable lesson in laundry, too. God showed me that. But that seed he planted has carried with me for years to come. In many other things, he said, he was very good at staying focused under pressure. There'd be times where one time I was really upset about a girl broke my heart, and I had to go sing for four hours in a nightclub, and, and I was so distraught, and I never forget, he said, you just turn that off, you go do what you got to do right now. Everything else doesn't matter until you're done, and what was cool is it was just a little hole-in-the-wall nightclub, but at the time, he treated it like priority, and he showed me how to shut it off, how to shut off the distraction, and I never forgot that. And so what I remember from him is, is teaching and planting a seed. And, and, and this is not the only lesson I've, I've learned to deal with, but this was the first time I learned how to dissect the distraction from the focus. Because if you don't learn how to do that, you can't stay prioritized. And if you can't stay prioritized, you can't find your goal destination, which for us, we say we want the purpose God has for us. Well, that happens through the practical elements of how we live our life. It really does. There's some real organ, unorganized pastors out there that don't know how to do nothing because they're not organized in their day-to-day -day life. So they'll preach the word of God really strong, but I'll go, I'll go crazy. I got a plan. I got to know. I got to understand where it's coming and when it's coming because there's too much coming at once. And so if there's no blueprint and there's no priority, you can't manage the load. And so what happened to me is over time, I evolved to like spreadsheets. And then when the church came, it got even more crazy. And I had like different spreadsheets for different stuff. And then I found my problem was I couldn't remember which spreadsheet to look at for what. It was like too many lists. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. What do I do? So that's what we're kind of talking about today is how to find purpose, stay on the path towards it through the priority list of our life. Is that good? Is that relevant? You know, we live in a texting ADD world who's almost going to crash into our, actually, someone did crash into our thing. They crashed into our wall this week. And I bet you, I bet you they were texting somebody, and it was not me this time. They drove right up to our retaining wall, knocked the bricks all over. We, our team was cleaning up this morning. Like, I see it all the time on their own. People are just like, like they say the foil ball and the cat, they just, woo, where do, just whatever, whatever, chase my tail. Like, there's no focus. And if you don't have focus, you will not find success. We can turn this into a business message if we want to because it's applicable there too. But if you don't have focus with God, you will not find the success that God has set up for you. That includes your personal goals. That includes your marriage. That includes how to be a good dad. It's a priority, which is a choice. I'm preaching to myself here. Sometimes I say, I'm just not being a good dad. Well, I'm saying, well, what's my priorities? What am I conscious of? you got to be conscious of it to know it's a priority and to move those things around. We look at the writer of Hebrews here. He's talking about Moses. I believe Moses was a very focused, organized individual because he was calculated. And you can't be calculated without focus. And you can't be focused without organization, which takes priority. And so 
We look at the writer of Hebrews account back on the life of Moses when he's talking about faith here and how his decisions determined his direction. His decisions determined his directions. Remember, Moses was called to lead the Israelites. Well, his decisions led him there. God knew ahead of time. He's predestined according to the foreknowledge, but Moses makes the decision. Does that make sense? Don't, don't treat God like he's a puppet master and he's going to pull your strings. No, God says, I know what you'll do, and I have a plan for you, and if you, if you give me priority, I will manifest that truth because that's my will for you. But you make the decision to step. That's why we say, you step I step. I almost wanted to print it on the wall. I said, no, okay, we just keep it on a hat. Because it's so true. And I think that's how Moses was. And he was flesh just like us. But every time God positioned him for the direction of his calling, Moses chose God's way because it was priority to him. It was priority. Priority is what faith instructs or directs. Priority is designed by the levels of, of importance that each thing in our heart represents. Remember, it said he chose to be disgraced by serving Christ over being wealthy living with the Egyptians because he knew his purpose was bigger than his comfort. He could have stayed under Pharaoh, Pharaoh's name and just had a bougie life, but he knew that was empty in the long run because he knew God called him and he knew his bloodline and his roots. And when you feel your roots calling you, you get hungry. Moses was hungry. But Moses loved the same things we do, but he never let the things of this world take priority or importance over the things of God. His integrity to stand in the truth no matter what the outcome is what led him to purpose. So if you take God out of this, we don't always get the outcome we want when we're seeking our goal. We can call that purpose. But the cool thing about God's will is he will never leave you unfulfilled according to his purpose. So when we seek God the same way, we seek the possessions of this world, his way will never fail. The only thing I can tell you is it may not always look like what you expected, but we know it never returns void if we seek him with an open heart because he's going to show you some things through the process. And when he shows you those things, that's when you feel like the devil's attacking you. And that's God saying, no, I'm showing you something. Do you want a revelation or not? The preacher's been saying that for four years, and finally the revelation happens, and God says, see, see, you have a decision to make. How bad do you want it? That's what it's God talking to his people. Like we can hear it week in and week out, but until God gives us that revelation because we're receptive to it, the light bulb doesn't go off, and then our whole life changes overnight, overnight. I won't even go there. You won't like me no more, who, who I used to be. I, I was a sinner like just the best of them. We all were. Um, when, when God infiltrates your heart, I'm going to say it like this. He just cleans it all out instantly. The way you talk will be different. It's just so hard to stop doing it like that. It won't be. When the Spirit of God gets in you, it takes over your weakness as flesh. And the things you used to still be tempted by, no longer even, they just make your stomach 
turn. Like you can't even stomach them no more. And the things that used to come out of your mouth because you thought it was just no big deal, when God gets in you purely, it just contaminates and gets rid of all the junk. It, 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 it purifies, excuse me. That is what happens, and no longer is it coming out of the garden. It's instant. You don't even have to work at that part. That's what's so cool. What we have to work out is from then on keeping the garden stable, and that's by feeding the Word of God to our life and everything we do, and that happens through priority. Purpose is found through the faithfulness to my priorities. I want you to remember that. God's purpose is found through the faithfulness to my priorities. So if my priorities aren't correct or out of order, remember, priority has a ranking, and if it's not correct, purpose can be at the bottom of the list, even when we think it's on the top. Is that making sense? And before you can find purpose, you got to have priorities. And if you don't have priorities, we call that no order. You got to have order in your life. You got to control the chaos. You got to frame your day like you do these papers that I'm finally almost done writing. Because if you don't frame it first, you just get blank when you go to write something. How do you know what to write without a blueprint of where you're going? You can't. So you frame your thought. It's just like I'm going to frame my week with God. And then when I go into my week, I know what's coming. I know the avenues I'm going to hit. I have this time allocated for this. I have this time allocated with this. If you need to put Jesus on your calendar, do it because you know your kids' swim classes are on there. What's the difference? I had a buddy once, and rest in peace, he passed away. I loved him to death, but I'll never forget one time I accidentally saw his phone in our 20s, and it said, quiet time with God, like 7 (laughs) o'clock. And I thought that was so weird. Like, he just materialized the sacred, you know, omnipresent omnipotence of Jesus, of God. And and I thought, you know what, I need to do that. Because we live in this fast-paced world of just chaotic, so i got to frame my day with intention. And if I don't, tomorrow becomes yesterday, and all of a sudden, 10 more years go by, and I'm still talking about doing something. And that's, that's with any type of planning. you got to frame it first. Look to your neighbor, tell them, frame it first. If you don't frame it, you won't find it. This building didn't fall out of the sky. We framed it. We stepped. We framed it. We stepped. We adjust. We stepped. Boom. God says, Thank you, son, daughters of the living high. God, for being faithful, you frame it first and you will find it. We're framing it like we want to find it in the back. Is this making sense? It could sound really superficial, but we're framing it how we expect God to deliver it because we feel God called us to frame it like we're framing it so God can deliver it like he sent it to us. So if you don't understand the frame, I'll give you a blueprint. You can study it. It's so important. That's why you got to be ahead of your decision making. And it's a, it's, a, it's a learning process. But when we learn to prioritize that, that lifestyle of no priority, like I'm not going to pick on young people, but I'm going to pick on some young people right now that I know really well. They might have my, my DNA, my blood, not my children, but my real. Like, like, what are you doing today? Don't know. Whatever comes my way. Man, that sounds pretty good, actually. I call that vacation. Like, that's what a vacation is. But no, what are you going to do with, with your priorities? I don't have any. I don't know. It's whatever comes my way. One of these days, God's going to slap you on the a, on a, on a spiritual uh, whatever shoulder, 
okay, we'll keep it G here and because uh, I would never speak different. And um, he's going to say, you got to have a little bit more organization than this if you want to grow with me. It's just not going to stay milk forever. Who wants to stay on milk when they got, you know, there's real food out there to be eaten. But you can't tolerate the change without some acclimation. And so this is kind of like how we do it. God delivers in layers. And so I was getting to the point that the starting point is you got to have a priority. And if you just live a life with no order, you won't find purpose because you don't know where to walk. Except like this. Which way did he go? Which way did he go? What cartoon was that? Was that, was that uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon? Does anybody remember this? Am I that old? Looney Tunes. Which way did he go? Oh. Was it uh, Elmer Fudd? Bugs. Bugs Bunny, he was so sneaky. I don't know why we liked him. He was kind of like, like Jacob. He was the shady one. <laughs> but before we can assess priorities, we got to have some. And they're everything in this life, and they determine our steps that we take. We can live in an unorganized, chaotic state of life, and that will make everything that comes your way feel really heavy. Let me tell you this, church. Most times, there's an easier way. Just because it's the way you know don't mean it's the way to grow. Most times, there's an easier way. Now, I'm, like, really strict about this because I do computer programming by day. And so it's very black and white. So sometimes I take that into, like, my church people. And sometimes I take that into my children. And I got to decompress for a couple hours to come out of robot mode. But I can tell you one thing it teaches you is how to do it easier, do it smarter, be more efficient. Because if you want to carry anything anywhere you know, I remember a story when I was a kid, and my dad was pouring some concrete on a patio or something, and my sister had this boyfriend who was, like, really big and buff, and he wanted to look really impressive, you know, because she was around, and I'm thinking, why would he want to do that? It's just, like, my sister, and I forgot, well, it's not his sister, you know, it's different, and uh, he had these bags of concrete, right, and my dad, you know, my dad's twice his age, and he's sitting there slugging concrete bags up and down our hill in Chesterfield, and here comes big old, you know, Brock Lesnar of 1995 or whatever, and he's carrying them like this, and he's, oh, this is getting so hard, man, how do you do it, you're twice my age, and my dad's like, it's because you're not efficient with how you're handling the weight, put it up like this, so just the change in um, the angle and the position of the weight made it from impossible to very feasible. So I want to tell you, when you feel like you can't get it together, that's because there's probably an easier way. When you whirl in the problem long enough, there's probably another solution. That's when maybe the solution needs to change. You ever been banging your head against the wall? Not literally. And you're just like, I can't figure this out. Eventually, after you've really exhausted enough time to it, you finally come to a conclusion that there's probably a different approach that needs to happen. Because, you know, if you just keep doing the same thing, you're just losing your energy for it. And so most times there's an easier way to do it. And that is definitely the case with organization. That is definitely the case with prioritization. And the more you master that, the more you can see things clearly because everything's not distracting you. And so you got to start somewhere, and it starts by faith. Faith initiates the desire. 
Faith doesn't fix it. It initiates the desire. It's the reason we need God. It's because he sets the direction. When we are faithful to God's word and going to church and doing something for God, now he, he reveals another layer of direction to the purpose you're trying to find. And guess what? That's how you find it. Because you're faithful to little, God leads you down to much. But you have to be faithful to the little step by step. I'm not talking about the TV series on, uh, on, on Friday nights with Urkel. I'm talking about as you use step-by-step mentality, a little bit leads to much. And it goes quick. It will go quick. But you got to do it. It's the Moses mindset. The Moses mindset says, I'm going to have the target that determines every step I take. And Moses had his sights turned on Christ. The focus was the calling, the prophetic vision that God had put in him. He knew it was there, and he had to become a leader for his people. He knew that. And just so y'all, like he said, Christ. Yeah, that's right. Everything in the Old Testament is prophetic of the Messiah. There's correlation to the physical and spiritual of the new. Like Christ is all over the Bible, even in the garden. I know that may be weird to y'all, but he's there. And so Moses knew the direction by where he targeted with his faith. That means the priority on his list was first God. First. Now we're talking about priority once we have our list. Purpose is found through the faithfulness to my priorities. And there's levels to this. What do I mean? You will not understand algebra if you've not learned addition. How can we speak modern language if we don't know our ABCs? Camilla's learning to talk, but I wouldn't say she speaks clearly. <laughs> but she's learning. Guess how she learns? By what she hears. We speak what we hear. What we speak, someone else hears. God uses the mouth like crazy in the Bible, like crazy everywhere. The Bible also says the tongue is the most unruly member of the body, and I say that a lot because it's so valuable to your understanding of everything God wants of your life. It's about submission. And if we don't understand the power in these things, that's where revelation comes. And there's levels to this. We need priority, but how do we get there? So you've heard the pastor preach about, we need priorities, we need to be organized. Well, I don't know how to do it any better. How do we get there? Faith is the starting point. And a lot of us already have that. We have faith, but now we trust God for guidance. But how do we start being guided by our faith? It brings us back to the question then, where is your faith leading you today? Is your faith leading you? I mean, there's been times I was really, you know, affluent in church process and childhood Sunday school and red Kool-Aid and those cookies and then using the term refreshments, which just drove me nuts even when I was five. I was like, quit calling them that. Refreshments? Y'all want some refreshments? Ugh, not anymore. Who wants to play Duck, Duck, Goose? Anybody remember childhood games? Y'all so serious. Um, 
there was a point where I had to be faithful and not just be an attendant. Because, like, I could hear it all my life, but I wasn't active with what I was hearing until 25 years old. Now, I look back on that, and what I mean is I was not really doing anything with what God had provided until I was 25. And I look back on that, and in hindsight, now that I'm 44 and have children, I realized it was my lack of understanding. It wasn't that I wanted to be selfish or, or didn't want to do what God wanted. It's that I didn't understand fully. But understanding comes by hearing, and hearing comes by doing. D- doing, excuse me, comes by hearing. And that's when the understanding comes when we do what we hear. And so that's where I did not apply. I heard it, and I stopped. And then remember me time? It was me time. So until I got old enough to recognize a more desperate need for God in my life, really because I had children and was so terrified of what they were going to see growing up, that I said, okay, I'm, going, I'm throwing all the chips in if it protects my babies because I can't gamble on the world taking them down a path because I didn't do my job. And I was, like, really crazy about this, Jen. Like, like I was praying when Chloe was in the womb, like, God, please let her say her prayers at night. And, God, please let her grow up to be a a strong leader for Jesus. And, God, please let her not fall into the same traps. And, God, please let her not think that's cool like I did, like, before she was even born. I was, like, so, so obsessed with it. I was buying her every Jesus cartoon I could find on the Internet, and none of them were good. Like this, this sea level, like made in your basement claymation stuff. I'm like, why can't they do it good? Now they're doing it different. But I remember buying them all, and she didn't. She's like, got a bottle, and she's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm just a, I'm three days old, and I had her on a boppy pillow watching claymations of Jesus and the apostles because I was not gonna let her fall into the world. And that was a good start, but I learned later to pull back a bit because too much can push us off just as much, of course. Some of y'all church kids know what I'm talking about. It can push you away just as, just as long as, just as well as it pushes you in, it can push you out. And, but faith grows by acting in it. And we talk about the lists, and if y'all saw my list now, your, your, your brain would puke. I'm just being real. It's okay. It's okay. I, it's okay. Anyone see, I don't have my phone. It's fine. It's fine. I showed Vince last week. Didn't you, didn't you want to throw up? That was just one day. And, 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 and we got like tabs now on the spreadsheet. And within the spreadsheet, you got the tabs, and each tab is with the thing. And you got the calendar. The calendar has to, has to frame the time invested in which things, so it says balance. And, and, and that didn't happen 20 years ago. That happened over time. And I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm trying to show you that that's nothing to me anymore. It feels normal. But 20 years ago, I would have been stressed out of my mind thinking life's too hard and that God, for, God forgot me because there's levels to this. And God will, God will season you to the level you want to rise to. It's just like going from, from Little League. I told the team this last week. We're leaving Little League. One seed is leaving Little League and going into major leagues. So they don't, they don't, they don't wait, for the, they wait for Jose Canseco to show up. No, we're prepping the field now so the team is ready. When the audience is there, when the people are there. So, so you have to elevate your commitment the same way. If you want to see major results, you got to go to the major league for, for Christ. And so that will become normal to you and actually quite comfortable. 
It can be so intimidating when it's not used to how you're doing things. You know, you know how many don't like to change the way they do things? Amen. You get stuck on how we do it. I'm the same way. This is how we do it. Michelle, you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> no comment. Sometimes, I'm just teasing. I tease my family, but we don't want to change but sometimes we're doing it the hard way. And when we make the change, God shows us a new way. And all of a sudden, we're handling things for God that we didn't think we could even have capacity for. God says, you got fish left over. You got bread left over. Oh, they're not hearing me. He took two fish and five loaves of bread, and they broke it and had leftovers. Hello, somebody. If you, adequ if you adequately invest in God, he's going to leave you with leftovers anyway. You got room to spare. It's not too heavy. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not too heavy. You're carrying it wrong. You're carrying it wrong. And in order to do it right, we got to carry it right. That's why we're crazy about process here. Because to do it right, we got to carry it right. Or you get crushed. Three steps ahead. Ten steps ahead. A hundred steps ahead. Ten years ahead. What's your five-year plan? What's your ten-year plan? It's not, it doesn't have to be gospel, but it could be a, a, a guided you know, hypothetical plan of just something to prioritize the direction I'm going. Where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? Where do you want to see your children in five years? Where do you want to see your children in one year? Where do you want to see yourself at the end of this year? Every year we should be better than we were the year before. As far as our growth, our understanding, our nurturing in God's word will make us wiser to the world each year we go. And then it becomes easier to deal with the darts. That's good. Is that good, somebody? Let me say it like this. Faithful steps grow our resilience towards the next hard situation. I used to think my brother was um, feelingless because he could be so resilient to something I would get really emotional about. And what I later learned is because he dealt with it all the time, all the time. And when you keep facing it, you lose the intimidation to it. Because you see, it's just normal. It's not magical. It's not out of this world. It's, it's defeatable. The devil is like the Russian in Rocky IV. He can be beat if you understand he's a fraud to begin with. But if we look at the enemy or the problem like it can't, it can't be, be beaten, we'll feel, we'll feel devoured by it. But he's a bluff. He's just, he, remember Rocky, he's, he's, he's just a man, you know. He, he's, uh, the Russian later says that Rocky was not human. Anybody remember that? It's like the best movie ever. I talk about Rocky a lot because I like, I like the movies. It's all real. It's all real. Anybody can get punched like that a thousand times. It's all real, guys. <laughs> anyway, there's levels to this. And if you want to grow, you got to elevate your levels by testing your water taking the if test from last week, framing your day, building your list, prioritizing the ranking of what's most important in your day. What's most important? God, my wife and kids, make that money to pay all them bills, unfortunately. That's the world we live in. We got to be practical and we got to work. We got to take care of business. But God is the provider. That's not. God will provide a way for us to find the solution when we're willing to get in the trenches for it. So with priority, that means put it on top. Remember it says, 
25. Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What does that mean? He took the priority of God and he put it on the top of his list. The top of his list. Jackie, I'm going to shout you out because I can't think of nobody better that puts God on the, prior, the top of her list every day. She talks about Jesus so much, I feel like I need to read my Bible more. And that's amazing. And don't ever lose that. And if we all did that, good Lord, watch out, we'd be overflowing. Because that's what people are craving. That's just a side note. You can witness this to others. Witness means demonstrate, not see it. You can witness it to others. That's church term. You can witness this behavior to others. They want that. They need that. They need you to put it on top because that's how they eventually do the same. If y'all can stand this morning. Purpose through priority. Jesus paid the price, so that's going to be the top of my list. God will use those who walk by faith in him. And the church of God needs your faithfulness. And that has to be a priority. And that is the difference between growth and staying the same. I promise you, that is the difference. We're not meant to stay in Egypt. Isn't it funny that Moses decided to leave, but we don't? Here we had Moses pave the path, show us we got to get out of that thing. What do we do? Well, Pharaoh's got a pretty nice house. I don't know. I think I'll just stay here a little longer and think about it. I'm going to think about being faithful. Well, that's good, but guess what? The locusts are coming, so let's not just keep thinking about it. Let's be about it. Let's be faithful. Let's quit thinking about how I'm going to be faithful. Let's quit telling the church what they need to do, and let's start being a church and do what you got to do. Do what you got to do for God. What has God commissioned you to do? If you don't know, start with baby steps. Your faithfulness to your church is how God will show you what you should do. Witnessing. Anthony, I'm going to shout you out. This guy brings more people to church. He's got a gift for witnessing. I mean that, my brother. I think he's brought more people to church than one seat church in three months than we've had in five years. <laughs> you think I'm all joking. You ought to see 2021. I'm not joking. See, when you go through that, and then you see fresh blood come in and light the place up with a fervent desire, man, God says that's the separation I'm talking about, that if we can all get there, it will get there. But when you become numb to it because you're used to it and everybody has Starbucks, then that's when it becomes disconditioned. You want to be uncomfortable always to a little bit, to stretch it out a little bit. Like, what can I do this week to, to witness God and, and, and change a life? Like, what if your word to somebody changes their life? Why are we doing this if that's not the goal? Well, I'm not really comfortable talking about Jesus. Well, get comfortable because you're supposed to be comfortable. I mean, they didn't say throw the Bible at him. Just say, hello, I love you because Jesus loves me. I don't know you, but, but I love you anyway. I know that's weird, but I pray you have a good day. That's all you got to do. That's it. They will be thinking about you for a week to come about how crazy it was what you said to them. Quit disqualifying yourself because you don't know the Bible like that, because you're not a social butterfly like that, because of whatever reason. It doesn't matter because it's not about us. It's about him. And when we step into that water... 
we're going to become comfortable with the change because we embraced it. It's just like the worship. It's just like prayer. It's just like dedication. It's just like stress. It all has a way of being managed through priority. And then it becomes enjoyable, fulfilling, rewarding. I wish I had started younger. I do. And all I can do is say, well, God must have known why I didn't. But what matters is I started. And I'm, I'm just talking about my life with him. It's the same for you. That it doesn't matter anymore what yesterday's reason was. How long is that going to be tomorrow's reason? Yesterday's reason is yesterday's bread. It's stale. It's gone. Today is a new day. I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. God put me in his house for a reason. God wants me to feel something today. God wants me to receive something that I'm not used to hearing. It's it's a little weird for me. I don't know what to make of this. That's why God put you here. Because you're not supposed to know what to make of it always. That's where faith comes in. I don't understand it, but I feel drawn towards it like the water's edge says, Moses. Parents, I feel drawn towards this. That is the power of God drawing you down the path. And priority is how we start seeing clear. This helps somebody today? Put it on top. I rank my life by importance, and if Jesus died for me on the cross, he died for Jeff, then he's got to be number one. If any man died for me, I'm going to be dedicated to him. That's why we're reverent to our military. They die for us. Police, first responders, they die for us. But just because we don't notice don't mean we should not honor. We got to honor where honor is due. And there is nobody higher on the list than Jesus Christ. We can praise for that. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I pray it touched you today. Because when Easter comes after this word today, you're going to see Christ on the cross different. You're going to realize he hung there and sweat for you and bled for you. Didn't have to. He chose to because it was priority to him. He left the convenience of life to go to the cross, just like Moses left the convenience of the Egyptian life to to go to the cross for his mission. We all got to go to the cross sometime. It's a matter of when you're going to do it because we got to go. We got to go to the cross for God. Put it on top. We weren't meant to stay in Egypt. God has a promised land for you. So now it's time in 2023 to walk into that promise. Every head bowed, lift a hand. If you're not used to it, I, I, I invite you to lift a hand in, in prayer today. It's a sign of surrender. And every head bowed, every, every eye closed, no one's looking at us, God. But Lord, we ask that today's word resonated in a way that was unusual to someone new. That this sparked a seed to start poking through the ground. Different that we've known about this for all this time. We've known about this harvest and we've known about this word, but God, we're seeing what water does and we're seeing that we are the fruit. We are the trees of your kingdom, that we've got to water everything together in our lives and together we're going to produce the image of you. We're going to produce your image to the world and we want to take March into a fire-starting season of the gospel, God, that when they come on Easter, 
They're going to see their Messiah in a way they've never seen. And their once-a-year visit's going to turn into an every-week visit because they're going to see this more than a visitation or a pat on the back to be cleansed. This is not a cleansing. We're not priests. This is dedication. We step towards our faith and we act in it. We come every week because we're dedicated to this, because this is top on our list. And that's what we want them to feel, God, is, is that that's where the joy is at. The family is in that. The community is in that. Staying isolated, staying distant will stay in the same cycle. We want to feel it different this year. We want to grow your church. We want, to, we want to shake up dry bones. And we believe it now. And I pray for open hearts today, God. We give thanks for your word that never returns void. The house of God can say it together. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.